Hello and welcome to Crackpot Theories, the podcast where everything is plausible until proven otherwise. I'm Sinead. And I'm Circa. And what's going on, Circa? Nothing too much. My neighbours have decided to start cutting their lawn. Um, the minute we press the record button. <laughs> well, I can't hear anything, so that that's that's good. At least, and uh, my dog was howling up until about ten minutes ago. So, you know, hopefully she's gonna keep her mouth shut. Um, well, that something. <laughs> like, busy. Let's immediately cause as much noise as possible. Yeah. Yes. What are we doing today? We are talking about The Witcher. Toss a coin to your Witcher. Oh, Valley of Plenty. I I don't know if I describe myself as a Valley of Plenty. Not right now, anyway. Although, you know, like everybody, I've been gaining weight while in isolation, I think. Um, So, I mean, yeah, you could probably say that everybody's Valley of Plenty at the moment. I think they're referring to the Valley of Plenty smut fix that's going on about The Witcher at the moment. Because, uh... People have just fallen in love with Henry Cavill from the from the series, and I don't disagree. I was very skeptical at first because I'm a very very big fan of The Witcher. Myself and my husband love it. So when I heard that they were doing a Witcher TV series, I kind of had that sharp intake of breath of yeah, this could go really badly or really well. And then when I saw the Henry Cavill was cast, I didn't know how I felt about it because. Game Geralt and TV Geralt are two very different Geralts, but uh, I think he did it well, and I can understand why people are very thirsty about him and his leather pants. Oh uh, yeah, completely. Fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, I mean, I think it helps that he's a big fan of the games himself. Oh yeah, he's a massive nerd. Um, if you go on like his Instagram and Twitter at the moment, he's uh, painting Warhammer figures while in quarantine. Oh, <laughs> that's very that's very cute, actually. Um, so I only started watching The Witcher there a little while ago. Um, again, it was another thing that I was watching with my dad because we're always trying to find something that we can both watch, so that he's not just kind of watching constant um, shows about restoring cars, and I'm just not watching constant anime. So we try to find a little bit of common ground because at the moment we are sharing the house. Um, but we're on two different schedules. So we try to kind of interact at least once a day. Um, but we started watching The Witcher because um, me and him had always watched Game of Thrones together. And um, we were looking for something to fill that gap, especially when the last episode of Game of Thrones um, was so very disappointing. And I've yeah. filled that gap several times um, with different things. And The Witcher was just one of them. Um, but I never played the games. They're very, very good. In particular, The uh, the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt would be one of the better ones. Although it depends on who you're talking to. Some people like the previous ones. But I, my personal favorite was Wild Hunt. It was, uh, it was fantastic. And the DLC was also fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I I will take your word for it. Um, it's it's one of these games that I'm just not very good at playing, unfortunately, because um, just just anything that requires a lot of concentration, uh, and leveling up and things like that, I'm just not very like. Pokemon is about my limit. It's like a funnier Skyrim. Oh yeah, I couldn't play Skyrim either. I played Fable. That but Fable is relatively idiot proof, so uh, I was fine with that. Um, 
But anyway, um, so the theory that I came up with is mostly based around the TV show. So this is one of uh, the few theories, I think, that you have a chance of debunking. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I'm hoping that you're going to come to some sort of agreement with me on this. So, my theory is that The Witcher does not take place in an actual medieval fantasy realm as such. I think it takes place in our future. Many, our... M- many, many, many hundreds and thousands of years into the future. Okay. After the apocalypse. Because there's usually an apocalypse in these theories. And there was an apocalypse in this in this theory. Okay. Um, I'm really curious to see how you came up with this. And I want to hear more. Because having played The Witcher, there's an awful lot of lore. And yeah. a lot of historical lore. So I'm interested in like how it's going to fit in. So tell me more. Well, here's the thing. I think the historical lore plays a big part into this. So one of the first things I kind of noticed is that um, sometimes some of the characters will talk with a an English accent. Some of them will talk with a very kind of generic-ish uh, American accent. But it's a modern American accent. And this is a modern yeah. English accent as well. Um. So I think those are kind of holdovers from the time before the apocalypse. These are learned languages. Now, this is also based on the fact that who are going to be the people that are most likely to survive the impending apocalypse is the kind of people that are able to hide themselves away and survive without going crazy. Mm. So in other words, basement dwelling nerds like myself. And you. And your husband. (laughs) Uh, No, the kind of people that like to play D&D and have an appreciation for history. If those are the kind of people that had to rebuild the world after the world ended, they might build it in the frame of an old medieval style system. Because most technology has rendered itself unusable. More on that later. Uh, So they're they're going to have to use the things that they used to know before the apocalypse and any of the little kind of historical facts they used to know in order to rebuild society. Now, partially, I'm also basing this on uh, what I know from one of my all time favorite films, uh, a great watch with a bowl of popcorn and a cup of tea um, the film Threads, which I have mentioned before, which is one of the few films that has ever been called borderline unwatchable. Because of how utterly bleak it is. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I still haven't watched it and I refuse to sound terrible. Uh, stop. Like, you... emotionally terrible. Do you know what? One of my favourite podcasts that I listen to, The Evolution of Horror, they did an episode on Threads and the two of them just sounded so depressed talking about it. It's just like, I've watched so many horror films, but I never just felt this existential terror. <laughs> that I do now and I really do now and you know like I said I'm I'm a little bit warped so it's one of my favorite films I can watch it multiple times it's great crack <laughs> nothing good happens to anybody um but what that kind of showed is a very realistic depiction of how society would cope after 
a nuclear bomb is detonated in England. And if you say there's lots of different nuclear bombs being detonated all over the globe, then this is probably what's going to happen. Um, the ozone layer will be stripped off of the Earth and uh, the sun will have no barrier. So people will get cataracts a lot easier. Uh, so the people that are survivor are going to be the ones that are able to secure, secure themselves underground. Uh, there's going to be a lack of food. Uh, language is going to go backwards. Um, all of the technology is just going to render itself completely unusable because there will be no petrol. There'll be no way of getting petrol to the surface of the earth anymore in order to power any of the machines. Just everything's going to go right back to almost stone age levels. You know, okay. and people will have to relearn skills from the ground up. So during this time of crisis, you look to the kind of the learned people in order to rebuild society. Now, there's another dimension to this as well, in that I think at just before this happened uh, was the advent of nanomachines. Right. So nanomachines being more or less microscopic robots inserted into the body in order to help with um you know medical issues so that's a big factor there in what i think is going on with magic in the witcher realm so what i think is all of the creatures all of the magic users and all of the magic abilities are a combination of two things uh nuclear mutation and nano machines okay so, like, in the very first episode of The Witcher, um, uh, Geralt is fighting a Kikimora, what he calls a Kikimora. Mm -hmm. And what that essentially is, is it's like a giant spider crab type thing. All right. Nuclear mutant. Like, would it have come from a spider or a crab or... Could have crossbred and could have just evolved in a different way. You know evolution works in screwy directions. I mean, there are crabs that look like spiders and there are spiders that look like crabs. Um, but there's certain animals that, like, the, the animals that live in the ruins of what used to be Priapat um, have managed to survive. Some of them have even managed to thrive despite mutations. So you multiply that over a couple of hundred thousand years you can see the ones that really did survive and then thrived getting bigger and bigger and bigger until they are basically a menace. Um, and I think that a lot of the animals and creatures that Geralt um, runs into are some of these nuclear mutants. They also have the thing with like the elves and the satyrs and everything. I mean, I think those are just humanoids who got mutated. A little bit like Fallout. It's possible. So, um, you mentioned nanomachines, and it just uh, brought a video that I saw recently to mind that would actually be really interesting for this theory. Um, they're starting to use nanomachines in the process of IVF to try and, like, basically artificially inseminate embryos using nanomachines. And that could be where, like, witches and stuff come from, that they're, they have an innate nano machines in their dna kind of thing to make them turn into witches and warlocks and stuff completely um well my my theory with this is if nano machine is small enough then i figure like 
you know, why would you put nanomachines in a human in the first place is to clear up certain conditions that would normally require a lot of kind of surgical intervention or lots of heavy duty um, medicines. Like we were discussing in the aliens episode, um, you, you know, the way like you get a disease and the antibodies that you have in your body are not enough to tackle it. And the medicines that you're given just go completely scorched earth and make you really, really sick. In addition to killing off the disease, nanomachine can get in there and do the sort of the in-between. But there's also another dimension to this is self-replicating nanomachines. Nanomachines that are actually able to reproduce themselves are able to build other nanomachines when they're kind of lying idle. And that's been a possibility that people have explored. Now, what I think is everybody in The Witcher has a certain amount of nanomachines inside them anyway, because they have children and their nanomachines get passed on. But the magic users have a surplus of self-replicating nanomachines. So they're constantly making themselves and remaking themselves and remaking themselves so that they're able to channel the nanomachines to do things that shouldn't be physically possible. So shooting lightning bolts out of your fingers, they they look like lightning bolts, but what it essentially is, is that's a, a shot of electricity that you're shooting out of your fingers. I mean, the nanomachines could come up to the top of your fingertip, poke out through a pore and generate a lot of static electricity in order to do that. Now, there's also a scene in The Witcher, like the TV show, where in the magic school, the students that don't graduate and uh, to, mm. yeah, to say it turns them into eels and then kicks them into this little pool and says, they're just going to provide energy for the rest of us now. Now, they said it was an eel. We didn't get a close look at it. I think what could have happened is that the person who failed, she couldn't channel her nanomachines properly. So mm. to say it took them for herself. Because Tisea has more control over her nanomachines. Um, and the thing is as well, like if, if you're trying to channel your nanomachines, you know the way when you're doing a spell with one hand and then it causes your other hand to, to kind of disintegrate or like become deformed. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So nanomachines leaving one part of your body in order to flood over to the next. You know, mm. there you go. Um. Mm. But like um, when Tisea turned these girls into eels, you didn't really like we didn't see them up close and you couldn't kind of look at it and say that thing's only got one gill. That's not an eel. She's telling fibs. I mean, what it could have been is it could have been a length of lower intestine with a sort of compound mouth and maybe some gills for breathing. And she could have just literally ripped the nanomachines away from the person that she was changing into an eel, air quotes, uh, and in doing so, that disintegrated the rest of her bodily functions and left her with just those organs that she needed to survive as an eel. Hmm. It's a bit of a stretch, but this this series is all about these epic stretches. I'm just contemplating how that would apply to a lot of the other stuff that happens in the series, like um, in one of the later episodes where they find the dragons, they were able to turn from a person into a dragon. Oh, yeah. And um, I mean, let's say 
this is thousands of years worth of evolution, you have to assume that the nanomachines would have done a certain amount of evolving themselves. Maybe even a certain amount of AI involved in them too. So you could imagine that uh, a nanomachine that was sufficiently skilled could reorient in order to build a different body around a person. Now, the thing like with this... <laughs> huh? Like a transformer. Yes, very similar. I mean, we could say that the dragon is not actually, in fact, a dragon. It's an exoskeleton. It just looks like a dragon. It's a dragon suit. Maybe this person just decided to live as a dragon. Maybe this is part of their culture. Because no matter where you are, no matter how far technology advances, people will always find a tribe and they will always develop their own cultural practices. So maybe he just came from a race of people who decided they wanted to live as dragons and that has entered their lore in that they do feel like their dragon shell that they create using their nanomachines is an expression of their true self. I mean, you know the crazy things that people do for the sake of culture. Yeah. You know, you yeah. get like piercing massive holes in yourself and uh, going off on fast and all, all the likes of things Put it, putting a cross made of ash on your forehead and uh, giving up sweets for 40 days <laughs> you that know? is very true actually Ireland has some very interesting cultural things that uh yeah <laughs> yeah so I mean let's say you know the people that you've been that you've been raised by for years and years and years have always had this thing where they channeled a part of themselves in order to build a dragon suit around themselves in order to inhabit a dragon body. I mean, you do without question. That just sounds like cosplay. <laughs> it, is, it is cosplay. But maybe they don't understand it as cosplay. Maybe they just do see it as a cultural thing in that you, you're not pretending to be a dragon. You are, in fact, a dragon. This is just your meat suit. <laughs> Piloting a meat suit dragon. That sounds very fun, actually. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Um, but also, there was the episode where he fought the Striga. Um, mm. Now, the Striga is an interesting one because this was the result of a curse that was put on the mother of this child. I think that's another exoskeleton. I think um, the exoskeleton, the nanomachines built the exoskeleton around the girl that was inside because after he beat the absolute crap out of that Striga, you know, she collapsed and then she turned back into a human. Now, when you're saying a curse, I mean, what do machines run on? Code. Code, yeah. So a curse could actually... Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's a code. So he cursed this woman and that caused the nanomachines inside the woman to react and they fixated onto her child after she died. Turned her into a Striga. And then Geralt managed to, you know, destroy the Striga and turn the girl human again. And uh, that's the other thing then that I wanted to discuss as well is um, anti-magic. Mm. So when you want to defeat somebody who has magical powers, you need a substance, a sort of a mineral that you can build like a cage from or something like that. And Geralt has a few of these things on the go, doesn't he? Yeah, mostly silver and stuff like that, isn't it? Yes. Magnets. <laughs> Magnets. How do they work? How do they work? 
<laughs> I knew we were going there. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you want to wipe a hard drive because, you know, you've been doing something illegal, not that I have any experience with this at all. Um, that sounds so suspicious that you had to have that disclaimer there. <laughs> uh, start, listen, if my Google history doesn't get me put away, uh, th- this episode might. But apparently, from what I know of people who do illegal things on computers uh, you use a magnet to destroy the evidence while you're getting raided by the police I don't know every film that I've seen where that happened you know you have a guy getting a massive magnet and he's going I'm wiping all the evidence um, and I, I assume that that's probably what the magnets do is that they disrupt um, the electric signals and destroy any of the information that you have there. And I think that must work on nanomachines as well. If it doesn't destroy them outright, it dampens the effect. It stops them from working the way they're supposed to. So you can disable a magic user if you have a significantly powerful magnet. I like it. Thank you. I like it too. That's why I came up with it. That could work so well because... Like the Witcher, they have to have very certain weapons and that. And that's why it, I don't know if it was brought up much in the series, but in the game, it's you can spot a Witcher because they have two different types of swords constantly that they they literally dual wield. So one of them could be for like the fleshy meat of like actual living things, and then the other could be specifically made out of like a magnetic metal. It would make an awful lot of sense. Yeah, I'm just looking at my notes now, and apparently this uh, this mineral that um, that's the anti magic is called dimaterium. And yeah, I I have to imagine it's just a really good quality magnet. Um, now another thing is sometimes you see magicians using like glamours to make mm-hmm. things look a bit different, uh, or to make things pleasant. Uh, one of them, the magician like just did a like um, a glamour where he's surrounded by loads of beautiful women I mean that's just a holograph I mean we we have the technology for holographs now you know we do Miku Hatsune concerts that's holographic there was um, a video going around uh, Instagram actually which had somebody wearing a holographic dress that wow was very cool yeah see I mean we have a lot of this technology already it's not unthinkable that you know this technology might still exist thousands of years into the future after humanity's gone back to the stone age but that they wouldn't know or human you know the world will have forgotten that this this stuff exists and they will just yeah. assume it's magic you know, oh, I can shoot lightning bolts out of my fingers just by thinking about it. It's just like, no, that's that's nano machines. You just don't know it, so you think it's magic. It's not magic. So, how would you explain Geralt then and the being an actual witcher and all the mutations that he has? Oh, I can explain it uh, very, very well. Um, so the trial of grasses, which I know about from my research now, anyway, um is that you get a bunch of children who are unusually hardy Mm. like that already have quite good skills and then you get them to drink a potion 
and it kills most of the people who take it. Yes. All right, so that's pure Chernobyl juice. <laughs> concentrated Chernobyl. <laughs> no, but what what it is is um, Geralt is a mutant. So um, I think Geralt is nuclear powered and that he just happened to be one of the few people who was able to work with the rapid, rapid mutations that come as a consequence of being explo- exposed to um, radiation. I mean, even now, we use small doses of radiation to kill cancer. But yeah. if nanomachines are a thing, we don't need that um, that stuff to kill cancer anymore because the nanomachines would uh, go around and basically shoot cancer with tiny little ray guns. <laughs> and, uh, do you know the way I picture it as just as... Do you know those robots from um, the... Watch, the You know the core, they're the little four-legged robots that act a bit like dogs? Yeah. I can just kind of like picture them walking around your aorta and just going pew 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 in a tumour. <laughs> just a little sound as well. <laughs> yeah. But okay, so um, did you watch the series Chernobyl when it came out? Um, No, I'm afraid that I haven't because as I said before, um, it seems a little bleak. It is. Uh, I've been trying to fill my life with rainbows given the current situation so i haven't actually watched a lot of the good bleak shows at the moment i think watching the witcher would have been one of the more darker things that i've watched recently and even that wasn't all that dark (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and intervention of course oh yeah intervention is incredibly cathartic yeah um well to go like with chernobyl they showed the effects and the very rapid effects of being exposed to high doses of radiation um, very, very accurately and very, very quickly. Um, and it was incredibly dramatic and absolutely horrifying. Um, but if you can count the things that have happened to you if you're exposed to a high dose of radiation, then it's possible nanomachines might be able to mitigate that factor. But then again, there's also the fact that um, being exposed to nuclear power tends to disable machines. Uh, like in the one of the episodes of Chernobyl, like a helicopter was trying to fly over the smoke plume. Yeah. And it just disintegrated with all the people on it um, and, and went down just as they were going over the core. Uh, the guy that actually looked into the core, I, I think he... Are you still there? Well, we're back again now, so um, that yeah, that's okay. Um, anyway, where was I? Um, oh yeah. So what they kind of showed in Chernobyl was the effect of a massive dose of radiation on people, which was obviously incredibly unpleasant. Um, very very graphic. Excellent show. Completely harrowing. So you do have to be kind of in the right frame of mind to watch it. I'm in that frame all the time, so it, you know. <laughs> Uh, it's it's really great to be me sometimes, um. But I do think that if you had self replicating nano machines, or at the very least if you had decent nano machines, because Geralt not really a magic user as such, 
but he does have an incredibly strong constitution. So witchers I- have a certain amount of magic to them. It wasn't really brought up much in the series, but in the games you do have certain magical spells that you can use, like protection spells and force spells where you can like push people away and stuff. Um, but that didn't come up too much in the series, but you can do very small magic, but it's not the same much as, say, Yennefer would have. Yeah, so I think maybe his nanomachines aren't self-replicating, but they're very robust. And I think that, you know, if he was given this potion that kills off most of the people to take it, then there's a possibility that if this was a potion that was nothing but pure nuclear radiation, um that it would cause beneficial mutations, but also that the nanomachines would be able to take care of any of the negative effects of it. So he would still have his DNA mutated and in unpleasant ways, you know, probably to account for how grumpy he is, but that the nanomachines would stop him from actively dying. And I think that partially the potion that they take it kills off a lot of the nanomachines and that's why the other candidates die. But if your nanomachines are robust enough to stand up to it, then it's beneficial for you. You end up being extra strong. Yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you are not debunking my theory. You're on board. <laughs> I'm usually on board with your theories, Sinead. <laughs> I, I know, but we, we thought this might be one of the few where you'd be able to de- debunk it and say, no, Sinead, you're talking bullshit and you need to stop just in general just stop there's a lot of lore from the witcher that wasn't really explored yet in the series they have been confirmed that they're going to have a good few more series so i'm looking forward to seeing how in depth they go with it because like yennefer and Geralt in particular are very very old and they don't point it out too much but Geralt's supposed to be well over a hundred years old and Yennefer is said to be roughly about 300 if you're going via the book lore as well as the game lore so if they had an awful lot of replicating nanomachines it could be very possible because they would regenerate as more nanobots start regenerating they could live an awful lot longer exactly you know and in Geralt's case I mean the rapid mutations that he undergoes would keep a lot of his systems still plugged in so he doesn't get that real degenerative effect that you get with old age. Um, just keeps him going. Um, I think that they said like there is a fungus that is able to feed on radiation and it actually grows more powerful because of it. Yes, and... it's um, in real life Chernobyl. There's actually loads of that around it and especially down in um, the elephant's foot you know that where basically ground zero of Chernobyl happened there's this giant lump of metally radiation called the elephant's foot oh, that yeah. has the, this black fungus on it that is only found in Chernobyl in that particular room it's really cool actually because it just shows how life can really adapt to things when they're extreme situations like water bears oh, they can yeah. They can survive really extreme, like heat, extreme cold, extreme, like pressure. They can survive outer space on the moon. Do yeah. you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I was going to bring up tardigrades uh, because they are one of my favorite animals. So, yeah, you're right. The humble water bear seems to survive absolutely everything that can be thrown at it. And maybe that was 
the model for the nano machines. You know, could you imagine yeah. just a, a, a little tardigrade walking around your blood vessels just every time it sees something a little bit negative, just going pew, pew, pew. <laughs> it reminds me of cells at work. <laughs> yes, exactly. So like if you put it on the cells at work level, you just have like these people who are living this really grim, dark life. And then on the inside, there's just all these little tiny nanomachines just pootering around going pew, pew, pew. You know, oh, she wants to shoot lightning bolts out of uh, out of her fingers. OK, we'd better all go up to the left hand. But keep a few of you there just in case. You know, I think like the ultimate mastery of your magical powers so that you're able to use them without your self disintegrating is the same as learning how to hack, relatively speaking. You know, like after you've been kind of computer literate for a certain length of time and then you just kind of get better and better as time goes on. It's the same principle with magic, but they are essentially learning to biohack themselves using these nanomachines. And then they're, you know, anybody that fails out of the program gets their nanomachines harvested by Tesea and uh, the rest of them. Turned into, like, eels. <laughs> yeah, tur turned into a length of a lower intestine with a mouth and an eye. And maybe a gill here, here or there. Do you know one thing that we haven't discussed? And we're talking about the the Witcher. Okay. The Bard. <laughs> oh, the Bard, yes. Uh, everybody's favourite character. Well, probably not, but my favourite character. Um, I mean, the, the Bard probably is just a normal dude. No nanomachines at play there, I, I don't think. But maybe he's got like this inbuilt knowledge of what Bards are supposed to be like. Because he is the embodiment of every single bird on the sheet of every D&D &D player ever. Like, he <laughs> goes around trying to seduce things. He sings songs for pretty much any reason. He's always begging for money. And he just wants to follow the hero around, even though the hero doesn't want him there. I mean, that yeah, that's everybody's bard. What, when I was watching the series of it, it, it was the one thing that really annoyed me about it. Because in the game it's called Dandelion. Oh, yeah. And it, it would have been so much better if they'd called him that instead of Jaskier. Or, is that how you pronounce it? Jaskier? Jaskier, yeah. Yeah, I, I miss my Dandelion. <laughs> I don't know, maybe maybe they'll call him Dandelion later on in the series. Maybe it's just the, the name, like, that's his given name. But, like, he might change it. You know, Prince changed his name to a symbol. He did, yes. You know, so maybe Jaskier could do something like that. I, I don't know. Um, we also didn't discuss uh, Geralt's horse, Roach. Oh my god. I, there is one part with Roach in the games that is just the best thing that I've ever witnessed. In one of the DLCs, I believe it was Blood and Wine, um, there is a quest line where you, well, you're playing as Geralt where Geralt starts tripping balls and uh, <laughs> Roach starts talking to him. And the thing about Roach is Geralt always has female horses, but they're all called Roach. So he's gone through hundreds of horses and they've all been called Roach and they're all women or like female horses. <laughs> yeah, it, when... it, it would be. That's a funny mental image there now. <laughs> okay, move on. Sorry. 
when Roach starts talking to you, he speaks to you in a male voice, and there's a brilliant interaction where Geralt is just like, you're a female horse, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know, Geralt, I'm a figment of your imagination. Why am I like that? (laughs) And you get to have this entire quest line with the talking horse, while Geralt is on, like, a load of drugs, and everything is really colourful, and it's just amazing. If you get to play The Witcher, it's uh, it's one of my favourite interactions in the entire game. Oh, so, yeah. I, I probably will never actually play The Witcher, but I will happily watch somebody else play The Witcher sometime. Um, But that's the thing, like, with Roach... I mean, is it that he has several different horses, or is it that that one horse that he has is as old as he is? No, it is in canon explained that he has gone through many, many, many different horses, but they've all been called Roach, and he goes for a certain breed of horse. However, what isn't like what isn't clarified is how the horse can just teleport. Nano machines. There's there's nano machines in the horses too. If you whistle anywhere in The Witcher, the horse will appear. So it's like you could be on a different island, you could be in a different country, thousands and thousands of miles away from where you left the horse. And you just whistle and a roach will appear within like a couple of minutes. Well, I mean, there's portals in the series as well. And again, I'm going to explain that away by saying it's nanomachines, man. Uh, they, they figured out how to light speed travel and then they forgot that they figured this out. And now it's magic. Yeah. So that, that that's what I'm saying. I mean, that could also explain pretty much anything where you have a pocket in the game, but the pocket can fit a fridge in it. Oh, yes. I absolutely love that in the video game logic where you, you have a backpack, but suddenly you can fit like about three houses worth of inventory. Where do you put it? temporal displacement caused by nanomachines I have to imagine there's a certain amount of nanomachines also in the air that you can hack into you know they're microscopic so it's not like you're going to see them doing their thing like the tardigrades tardigrades they go about their daily lives they eat lichen and then all of a sudden scientists scoop them up and shoot them into outer space or try to crush them and freeze them and set them on fire and drop them into volcanoes and they're just still happily pootling along. I have to imagine there's nanomachines in the air as well and just pootling around, minding their own business, until all of a sudden they get communication from other nanomachines and they go, oh, oh, portal time, and spring open a portal. <laughs> portal time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just hacking. You know, that's literally what it is. It's all code. So once you have the right codes and learning magic spells, it's basically learning a code. So once you learn the right code done in the right sequence, yeah, you can open portals. Why not? I love it. <laughs> Thank you. You could do that in real life. That would be so fun. Eventually, maybe we will. Hopefully it, it won't be in the aftermath of a nuclear apocalypse. We can only hope. <laughs> we can only hope. Yeah. I um, wonder, is there anything else that I, I'm missing out on? Cause, because I watched the series. I mean, there was a whole thing in the series where they were working on almost three different timelines at the one time. 
Yeah, that was a very interesting way that they did it because they changed a lot from the games, but the games changed a lot from the books, so it was very wibbly-wobbly. But I liked how they did it then because you can see what happened before, after, and during, you know? Completely, yeah. But then there was that whole uh, child surprise thing. Oh, I'm... yeah. Princess Cirilla, or she's called Siri in the in the games. Um, they changed her an awful lot in the series compared to the compared to the games because in the games she's actually a witcher. Oh, okay. She's yeah. a witcher that. Um, but sure, they hinted um, at her having some sort of powers in the series. Yes, yeah, she's a child of the fairies, basically. Oh. Uh, but uh, Geralt gets her when she's like super young. I mean, like two or three. And oh. they raise her in Kerrigmorin to be a witcher. She does all the potions and shit and she becomes a witcher. So when I saw in the series that she was like nearly 18 and not a witcher, I was just like, what is going on here? So I'm really interested how they do that. I think they, they're sticking more to the to the novels, which yeah. um, I haven't read, unfortunately. Uh, but I think that's where they're going because in the, in the games, she should definitely be a witcher by now. Yeah, um, I I guess maybe they went for the obvious reason that it's really hard to work with incredibly young children over a yeah. long length of time. And it's easier to make a 16-year-old look like a 12-year-old. You know, that that's, yeah. that's just, um, just good semantics, really. But kind of um, when, you know, Geralt is, his fate is tied to this girl... Again, that's just a root code. It's a command. So he has to obey it no matter what because he has to fulfill a task. Not him necessarily, but the nanomachines that are inside him are keyed into this task. So as much as he's trying to avoid it, there is a magnetic pull between his nanomachines and her nanomachines. And if he doesn't do it, his systems will crash. Exactly, yeah. It's like trying to do too many things on your laptop at the same time. And your laptop is just, I'm trying so hard. But you are making this very, very difficult. I'm going to have an aneurysm now. <laughs> that's my that's my laptop every day. Accurate. <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah, it's just like that kind of thing that he's, you know, he's trying so hard to avoid the child of surprise. That his nanomachines are kind of going, no, no, we have to go this way. No, no, we have to go this way. We have to do what we're commanded because we are nanomachines. We don't have intelligence. We have to do as we were commanded. Like, absolutely everything is code. Except for the nuclear mutations. Those are random. But some of them are helped by nanomachines. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> I I am so glad that I was able to wade into something that you have a professional level knowledge of. And I still managed to convince you. Yeah, I, I, could, I could see that. It would be interesting trying to fit it into the different monsters and stuff you encounter in the game, how it would work for them. Like, the the djinn would be really cool, how that would work. But, like, that would just be a swarm of nanomachines because he doesn't take a very physical form. Well, I mean, like... something had to happen to the Apple iCloud. <laughs> it grants you wishes from the Apple iCloud. <laughs> But they're always Apple related, so uh, they're only about as useful as uh, Apple products are in general. I have become 
Google. <laughs> you know, or like any of the, the gin, anything that grants wishes are just extensions of the storage, the cloud storage systems that are still actually floating around doing their thing, but nobody can access them. So when you make a wish, like, I mean, what's, what are the, I, I can't quite remember, but you know, what are one of the wishes that they make in the series or the games or whatever? Um, well, in the series, Geralt wishes that he can go to sleep because um, <laughs> he was having awful insomnia. Um, the other was to make uh, to make Jaskier shut up. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, those are things that you could probably find in the Google storage cloud, you know, to put him to sleep. Maybe a nice uh, soothing podcast. Um <laughs> Like crackpot theories. Cra- crackpot <laughs> theories is not soothing. Crackpot theories is the kind of it's the kind of podcast that will keep you up at night. It will not put you to sleep. You will just do too much thinking and turn inwardly on yourself until you are nothing but a gremlin rocking slowly in a corner. Just like me. <laughs> just like both of us right now. Just like half of the world's population are at the moment. Um. But, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, making Jaskier shut up. Okay, yeah, so the Google storage cloud, like, in order to make him shut up, it basically shut down some of his systems. I mean, a nanomachine could do that. You find the right command. Maybe maybe it's even a virus. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, the, it gave him a, f- a feckin' Trojan. <laughs> I could see that. That would be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can you can pretty much put this, slot this into absolutely everything in the Witcher universe, which is how I came to realize. Like, my inspiration for this originally was somebody said that uh, the Disney film Aladdin was also set in the um, far off apocalyptic future because yeah, I've seen a lot of those because of. Um... The way Jeannie references things from the nineties and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, and that was it could work. yeah. I mean, that was partially the inspiration for this one. Is that that you could probably make this fit for pretty much any fantasy series, but it's just really fun to do it for The Witcher, um, because The Witcher just has so much crazy stuff happening in it. And Geralt. And just Geralt. Geralt as a whole, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I hope. I hope someday we get to go back to Poland and I can have a new appreciation for The Witcher because when we went, I had never seen it. I'd only heard of the TV shows. Or, I'd only heard of the video games and I hadn't played them. And they were doing that They were doing that live concert with the soundtrack. Yeah, with the people that actually did The Witcher, the Witcher soundtrack, which is so cool. And I really hope we get to go back to Pierrecon and hopefully see that again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hashtag PeerCon 2021. Hashtag let us back. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we'll we'll get back there whether they like it or not. They they can't stop us now. We're like a plague. <laughs> like a plague of nano machines. Yes, yes, very uh, great way to stay on topic there. Um, okay, well, I think I've stretched this theory about as far as it can possibly be stretched. Do you I have any my hamstring? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any closing statements? Um, if you've watched The Witcher 
and you want to see more witchery goodness, consider pl- playing the game. It's only like 20 quid on Steam and the DLC is really, really good and uh, Geralt is amazing and we need to see more of him naked. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> You do. But uh, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, I hope you enjoyed our episode. Uh, we're on anywhere that you have good podcasts, such as Bud Sprout. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. Uh, you can chat to us on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Tumblr. If you have any ideas or anything to add to our wonderful theory about nanobots and Geralt. And uh, if you like us, please like us and give us a review. If you don't like us, please make sure to let us know. Because we always look for ways to improve. And we really appreciate everybody listening to us during these really really bad times and we hope we were able to distract you somewhat from the raging hellfire that is outside (laughs) (laughs) okay thank you so much this has been another crackpot theory where the truth is far wilder than you ever expected it to be have a good one